Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Hi, everyone. This is Richard Gunther. WWDC is right around the corner, and Adam and I have something of a tradition each year. We're continuing our HomeKit draft, selecting things we think we'll see or learn from Apple's conference or keynote. Sure, everyone's all excited about ARM processors for some reason, but we're all about the HomeKit and Apple's surrounding technologies. So we hope you'll enjoy this third edition of our HomeKit Draft. Hey everyone, I'm Adam Justice from ConnectSense. Welcome to the Smart Home Show. I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host, Richard Gunther, from the Digital Media Zone. Welcome, Richard. Hey, how's it going? Going well. So, on today's Smart Home Show, uh, we have a little event coming up next week, WWDC, and we're going to do something a little unique. Uh, Richard and I did this uh, in 2018 on my old show, which is we're going to do a draft uh, related to HomeKit and uh, HomeKit-adjacent technologies. <laughs> it should be fun. We've done this for two times now already. So this will be the third time we're doing it. I'm looking forward to it. Before that, though, I have a question for you. So if you're just working at home and you need to be getting some stuff done, you need to be productive, what is your go-to playlist genre station artist what have you what do you what do you usually put on when you're working if anything yeah i would say it's a first of all good question it's largely nothing i would say in the past my go-to like get stuff done music has been uh edm which is like techno type stuff I think in general, I can't have anything that has like words. Music wise, I'm, I'm more of a hip hop fan, but if I listen to hip hop, it's very distracting. But some friends were recently bringing up jazz and I was a huge jazz fan in high school because I played saxophone and was very deep into jazz. So I at least had the thought that uh, I should start listening to more jazz while I'm working, but I often don't listen to anything. How about you? What's your what's your genre of choice? Yeah, um, while I too played saxophone in high school and was in the jazz band, jazz music typically makes me nervous, so not good for working. But I generally end up listening to podcasts while I'm working, unless I have to write. And if I'm writing then I need something with no words. I don't have any problem just doing spreadsheet work and planning and stuff like that if I have music on in the background, but can't have words if I'm actually writing or composing content. So for that, I'll usually end up turning to either like down-tempo chill stations or which interestingly sometimes falls under the EDM category, depending on the service that you're using, or maybe something a little new agey without too much words. Occasionally, if I need to be pumped up while I'm writing, I might go for like the Hans Zimmer soundtrack type music. <laughs> so, Okay. Action movie soundtracks. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I never knew that about you, that you were a saxophone player. That's very interesting. Uh, common tie between us. Yeah. How about that? There you go. We'll have to jam sometime. All right. So uh, for our main topic today, as I mentioned, we are going to do a draft. I want to fully acknowledge in the category of great artists steal. Uh, I This is totally a stolen format from the Upgrade podcast. 
Um, so definitely check out their show. And if you're interested in broader Apple topics, they've already done their episode uh, of their draft for this year's WWDC as a whole. So how this works is uh, Richard and I, with the help of many friends on Twitter, so thank you to everybody that also contributed, um, put together a common list of things to draft from. So that way we're not disadvantaged or anything like that. We're both using this same list. We will flip a coin to decide who goes first, and then we will do two rounds then go to an ad, and then we'll do two more rounds, and then we're going to make one last pick uh, just for fun, which are will be kind of a, a risky bonus round. If your pick is mentioned during the main keynote, that's worth two points. The other one is kind of anything else, so State of the Union, HomeKit session, I'd even go so far as like documentation or as people dig into things. Some of this stuff kind of falls into that. Those are worth one point. And uh, if you get one of your your bold pick, we're going to make that worth three points. The blue sky pick. Yes. So <laughs> I'll let you pick heads or tails. And of course, we got to use technology to flip a coin. So do you want heads or tails? Of course. Uh, I'll go for tails. Flip a coin. It's heads. All right, then. So that means I get to go first? You get to go first. All right. So I'm going to go... I'm going to go pessimistic on my first pick. <laughs> I'm going to say HomeKit is not mentioned in the keynote. What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I know. I think where this comes from was last year, to me, was a very non-event for HomeKit. It really didn't get a lot of coverage. There was some things. I don't know that it was mentioned in the keynote last year. No, it totally was mentioned in the keynote. Yeah, it was totally mentioned in the keynote because there okay. were enhancements and and they talked about remember all this stuff that they talked about with shortcuts and how shortcuts and HomeKit were gonna work together better and then it didn't actually come out the way we thought it was going to. Yeah, they yes. they did talk about it. It was just confusing and disappointing. Yeah. All right. Well I'm just gonna say I'm gonna clarify mine so it's very clear. The word HomeKit is not said by an Apple presenter. Wow. So it could appear on a slide or a world cloud, whatever, but the word HomeKit is not said by a presenter. Oh, so a HomeKit logo on a slide, that's, that, that doesn't, doesn't count. count. Somebody has to say the word HomeKit. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, then my first one is going to be an easy one because I'm voting against that. <laughs> You're going to go the opposite. I am. I absolutely believe that it will be mentioned. I absolutely believe. And and here's why. One of the things that's been rumored about iOS 14 and HomeKit in iOS 14 is that they'll bring the, uh, I forget what they call it, but basically the, the thing where your screen color changes when it gets later at night so that it doesn't keep you awake, that they're going to bring that technology to lighting in iOS 14 in HomeKit so that you'll be able to have essentially circadian rhythm lighting with smart bulbs that would be controlled by HomeKit. If they do that, that's huge. Like that is a big big enhancement. And nobody else is doing that. Every vendor that does anything even close to circadian lighting is basically making it up themselves, coming up with their own strategy for accomplishing that. So I, I find it hard to believe that they would introduce something that big and that important in HomeKit and then not talk about it on stage. Uh, this is one where I'm I'm rooting against myself because I I wanted to be wrong, <laughs> but but I'm gonna go go negative in the in the first one. So, I mean, I would still allow that to be a pick if you wanted to get into that later. But I'm interested to know if how you think that would be accomplished or 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 anything more of what that feature would look like. Yeah, I mean, I, they could make it as simple as apply feature name to 
these bulbs. And I, it, again, I wish I could remember what the feature is called, but if they could make this just dead simple that you don't have to go and create automations. I actually have count them eight different automations based on a, an article written by one of the guys in the Slack group that we're in on HomeKit stuff that do this with bulbs in my home because it's just a real pain to do it. And what that really means is that I'm moving at different times of the day between four different light settings. And that's just like, you can do way better than that. You can make it gradual and unnoticeable. So I think what they'll do is create an experience that is largely kind of just behind the scenes. You just turn it on or you don't turn it on for any given bulb or set of bulbs and you don't have to worry about the settings for it. But it's nothing where you're using like uh, the thing I that came to mind for me was like you could also use HomeKit enabled cameras as like a light detector too to play into that. You could and that would potentially affect brightness but that's not really what color temperature in circadian rhythm lighting is about that's about specifically aligning the lighting white color the white balance or the the uh, white level with the solar cycles so that it helps you go to sleep easier when it's dark out and wake up easier and be energized during the day with brighter white lights. So yeah, I, I don't, it would be cool if they did something with sensors, but I don't think it's going to require that. The feature name you were looking for is night shift. By yes. The way. Night shift. They'll so do something like night shift. It would be weird to call it night shift specifically. Cause I think it's bigger than that. All right. Well, I like the showdown in, in round one, of, uh, <laughs> whether or not home kit will be, will be stated. Uh, that'll be a fun one to see. Um, and you guys can all tweet at me when, when it happens and make fun of me for my pick. <laughs> my second pick, I'm going to go with enhancements to HomeKit secure video. This I had all over on my list. And as I was thinking about it, I knocked it up on the list. And my thinking there is, I think HomeKit secure video is something that was introduced last year. And it works really well with their privacy story. And I think it's also something that very much sets apart the Apple solution and the HomeKit solution for cameras and is very different than what everybody else is doing in terms of sending video to the cloud and things like that. And part of this, what these enhancements could be is around facial recognition. And there were some rumors specifically on facial recognition being a piece of this story. And where that could be really exciting is if you can use facial recognition as a trigger within home automation. So if you can have a, a HomeKit camera that recognizes a person, a specific person, uh, and says, when I see Adam then do X, Y, Z. That to me is very exciting. And uh, I don't own any cameras that work with HomeKit secure video. That would be something that would get me to run out and buy one. Yeah, that's an interesting idea, specifically the facial recognition, because of course, people get all stressed out about that and the privacy of that. But the thing that is unique about HomeKit secure video is how everything is set up with privacy and security in mind. And so you're, you're very likely going to be able to do this in a way that is less troublesome to people who might have privacy concerns. Even if it's only just your own home, like if it's, if it's people from your own home. Like right now, we know that we have the ability, for example, to be able to detect through whether your phone is home or not, who is home, and 
whether the last person is home or the first person gets home, stuff like that. It'd be really cool if cameras could be brought into that equation. Yeah, I think that's really exciting and interesting concept. All right, Richard, your second pick. All right. I don't know that this actually made your list, but there was some talk about it in Twitter as we were asking folks about ideas here. And that is the idea that if, in fact, they are coming out with RFID tags of some sort, that there will be a HomeKit play there, that they will somehow use their tags to either be presence indicators or maybe help micro-locate people in their home, like the beacon concept that we've been talking about for years. But somehow there will be a HomeKit play for the tags that we've heard so much about over almost a year now, I think. Yeah, they're, I guess, the the secret name or whatever, they're referred to as air tags. That's a that's a bold pick. I would have even allowed that in the in the bonus risky round because uh, <laughs> loud, those, be, okay. those being released. I mean, it, it's been rumored for a long time, and there's been lots of software bugs and you know people finding references to those tags under the covers. But I, I haven't seen anything in the manufacturing leaks or anything like that. So if they're if they do release air tags. As a hardware product, they've done a very good job of keeping it quiet in the in the production realm of things, which they can do out there. But yeah, I think this is uh, I like this pick. This is one I want very badly. I think uh, AirTags has a really interesting potential for a side use within HomeKit. What's unique about AirTags, uh, if you're new to this or don't remember when we talked about this last is when the iPhone uh, 11, right? Is that what we're on now? Yeah. When that shipped, it shipped with a ultra-wideband radio chip on there, uh, which has been not used at all. They <laughs> talked about it when they released right. the phone. Right. And so everybody thought these AirTags were really going to be the holy grail usage of that. And I think when most people think about AirTags, they really just think of these as a replacement for those Bluetooth tracker tags from folks like, I'm drawing a blank on the, the company name. Well, one of them was called Tracker, and the other one, uh, I forget the other one, but I have them on oh, my tile. stuff all over. Tile. tile. Yeah, yes. tiles. Yes. So everybody thought it was a big tile competitor. And I think this angle of using them as a proximity detector, kind of almost flipping the equation, which is when my phone is close to this thing, then that means I'm in this room. Or So if that AirTag was in a fixed location, you could mm-hmm. use it for some really exciting capabilities within HomeKit. Yeah, or, or even just stuff like knowing whether the cat is in or out, because it's on the cat's collar or something like that, you know? Right. Where do I find the dog? Right, right. <laughs> so I, yeah, I think that there's, I think there's some cool opportunity there, but I do think that there is going to be uh, some association with HomeKit with that when it comes out. And I'm hoping maybe this is more hopeful than predictive, but I'm hoping this happens this time around. Okay. We're in the middle of our picks, so uh, let's take a quick break for our sponsors, and we'll return with more smart home picks and predictions after this. Round three. I am going to pick enhancement to HomeKit abilities with shortcuts. So you kind of alluded to this earlier, Richard, Mm -hmm. that when they made the announcement of HomeKit integration with shortcuts wasn't exactly what we all wanted. Right. And yet they were so unclear about what it was going to do and how it was going to work that we all believed we were getting way more than we actually got. There are some things that you can do that you might argue are HomeKit-ish, 
like being able to use a shortcut based on whether you're walking in the house right now to turn on some music or something like that, or being able to use a sensor even to be able to detect that someone's in this room. So turn on some music that is so specific and it requires the phone to make it work. The way I want to see this happen is that those shortcuts are part of HomeKit and can run on your HomeKit hub. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think in general here, I'm looking for just kind of doubling down on this and expanding the areas where, to what Richard said, where HomeKit and shortcuts can be tied together add more places, more abilities to do things in HomeKit, more abilities for HomeKit things to trigger things within shortcuts. And I do like the idea of a home hub being able to run those without the presence of a phone. I think that would make it way more exciting. All right. Well, one of those devices that can be a hub is the Apple TV. And there have been rumors not recently, not in the last couple of weeks, but there have been rumors that a new Apple TV device is possible in the near future. I want to believe those rumors, and I'm going to restate a pick from two years ago that if that happens, that there will be some form of HomeKit experience on Apple TV, whether that is just a, you know, maybe live view of cameras could interrupt whatever you're watching so that if the doorbell rings, you can, it, it, it can interrupt what you're, what, you're, what you're watching and send you a notification or something like that. I, I don't think we're going to get any sort of on-screen home control experience because I tend to believe that Apple realizes that is more cool and gimmicky and looks good on a slide, then it's useful. So you're talking more at a system level type thing where things can kind of fly in or um, show up more so than an actual home app on the Apple TV. Correct. And this capability, frankly, already exists on tvOS. It is possible to create notifications that interrupt an ongoing experience on the Apple TV. So it's not like there's some technology barrier to making this happen. It's just a matter of would they do it? Do they see the value in it? I see value in it. And that's why I've been predicting it for a while now, but I'm, I'm going to re predict this one. All right. Final round here. Uh, this is a hard one. I wish we had, I wish we could go deeper. <laughs> well, I mean, we did make up the rules ourselves. So I know you we know. did. Uh, so that's fine. I'm going to go for my last pick new home kit product category. I feel like mm. this is kind of a safe pick. Uh, there's been a new home kit product category almost every year. And last year, that was routers, was the new HomeKit product category in iOS 13. And what else could there be? I think there's some some good possibilities here. Um, one I've heard a lot of calls for is robot vacuums. That would be really nice. Various appliances, so coffee makers, fridge, oven, toaster, water heater, washer, dryer, some of that kind of stuff makes sense to me. Yeah. Sleep-related stuff, you know, beds uh, are getting to be more and more smart. Uh, pet feeders. So kind of just what else do you see out there in the smart home landscape that isn't represented in HomeKit yet? I feel like there's got to be something that they're working with some company on adding to the mix. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, you just listed a whole bunch of stuff there. What they typically do is they come up with kind of a a category category, like a super category for things. So I could see something of an enhanced appliances category that allowed you to interact with cook. Maybe, you know, maybe it's a cooking appliance or something. And 
cooking appliances have certain properties and maybe it's a cleaning appliance and cleaning appliances have certain sort of properties. But we certainly have devices out there. The fact that those categories don't exist in Apple's ecosystem is kind of surprising and shows how the ecosystem has lagged a little bit in terms of embracing everything that's in the market. Yeah. Oh, I know all too well that they pick a very broad categories because when we worked on the Moen HomeKit implementation for their shower, we were kind of pigeonholed into this giant category that had to deal with all things water related. And that just led to all kinds of headaches for things that we were trying to handle in this broad water-related category that didn't really fit a shower or how how the Moen product really worked into that home kit mold. So that was challenging. And so while I can see that, I, I think if they go too broad, it can be really difficult. Agreed. All right. Your last pick. All right. Um, my last pick is kind of going back to where we started and having to do with mentions and inclusion of information as opposed to actual enhancements. I am going to predict that this year there is no HomeKit session. Okay. That was in that I actually had my number six pick was there is a home kit session. <laughs> okay. So if you would have stolen some of my earlier picks, yeah, could have had another showdown. Okay. So why, why do you think that? I, I feel like each year there's less and less new stuff to talk about in terms of how to develop for home kit. They've refined the development process and the submission process and the approval process. But I don't feel like there's anything that's significantly new in how you do it. I don't think they're going to make substantial changes to the HomeKit platform in any way that would require a retraining. You know, they're not Microsoft. They're not coming up with the, oh, this is the new platform you're going to use for developing all your applications solution every three years. So... I'm not convinced there's enough to really talk about, even if they come out with new device types. They could just make sure that there's good documentation out there. They might follow those up with some videos or something like that. But I don't think that there's going to be an actual HomeKit session that they have as part of WWDC. I would have been entirely in this camp if we were in a normal year where there was a normal WWDC being hosted. I think this new virtual format, though, opens it up where there is not the constraint of the fixed Monday through Friday schedule with which to cram everything into. So I I 100% agree with you. And stuff like new categories, you know, when I talked to some folks from the HomeKit team last year, they said, well, you know, we're already working with the router manufacturers one-on-one and, you know, we don't need to have a session because we're already having those conversations in the background. So I, I totally see both sides of this. I'm just wondering if with the, you know, we can put out as many videos as possible and, we're not bound by a, a Monday through Friday schedule that maybe there will be a home kit session specifically because there wasn't one last year. Hmm. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. We'll see. All right. So, uh, final round risky or, you know, a little bit more bold picks. I actually had in my bold picks list air tags. So, you know, uh, <laughs> You went big on that one. For this one, I'm going to say something we've talked about in the past, which is HomePod Mini announced. I think this is a little bit risky because kind of like the AirTags, there haven't been any manufacturing related leaks or, you know, kind of hints that this is underway. 
Right. But I think if they're serious about HomePod and growing that piece of the business, then this is the direction they absolutely have to go to, to go further down market. Interesting. I expected that that was going to be your pick. <laughs> I know that this is something we've talked about a lot. I, I believe you completely because even with the lower price of what, 279 now, it's still outside of what I think is the range for people to pepper these around their home. And yeah. if they really expect voice control to be taken seriously and to be ubiquitous in the home and not require that everybody has an Apple device on them at all times, they've got to get there at a lower price. Yeah. I don't know how you compete with the, what is it, like $50 for an Am Echo Dot or or less? Yeah, or... Or, you know, free as a side of fries with a bigger purchase. You know? Well, that was the joke I was going to make about Google. Uh, the Google Home Mini. Here, please take one. Please, please. Let me give you one. Yeah. Price of that. It It's on sale for Father's Day weekend for, I think, 30 bucks right now. Yeah. So I don't see them necessarily going that low. Um, even a $99 device, I think, would be a welcome way to get more competitive into this space. I agree. I like that. Okay. What's your, what's your bold pick? Well, mine I think is never going to happen, but I, I don't care cause I want it and I know other developers that want it. I want home kit development available on the Mac. I really, and, and, the primary reason that I want that, and by that I mean that you can have Mac apps that can control HomeKit, not just the Home app. And ultimately, what I'd really like to see is control center widgets on the desktop for different HomeKit products. For even, even just to make it easier for HomeKit compatible manufacturers, maybe, to be able to make their own desktop widget for, say, Philips Hue lights if they're connected through HomeKit or something like that. Yeah, I know this was uh, Mr. Aaron Pierce's number one request was uh, third-party support for HomeKit on the Mac. So I, I think, you know, we would get some really good stuff if and they could go the Catalyst route to make those apps, uh, port apps from iOS uh, to the Mac, and it could be interesting. And so I don't know what the challenges were there, and um, particularly I know people were frustrated because HomeKit, the Home app, was used as a Catalyst example two years ago, and then they didn't allow anybody to do anything with HomeKit last year when that was made public. So, right. Yeah, I agree. And especially now that I'm using my Mac at home more often, um, you know, that, that could be a great way to tell that story as well. You know, I understand that in many areas, depending on what you do for a living, or maybe in the younger market, you aren't working for a living yet. But for the vast majority of us, that do work and spend an enormous amount of time sitting in front of a desk. I mean, enterprises around the world, people sit in front of a computer. And when you hear the tech industry talk, and when you hear developers talk, it's almost as if the desktop is dead. I mean, people have been predicting the death of the desktop for over a decade now. Microsoft was banking on it. That was incorrect then. I think it's incorrect now. There's still a good function and a reasonable um, ex expectation that people will continue to use desktop computers going forward for a good while. And why have to turn your attention from that to another device to be able to do other stuff? Yeah. And I think we're seeing more recognition of that now that people are working at home. 
that they're spending more time in front of their computers. Yeah, and I think... You know, they certainly committed more to the Mac uh, a few years ago when they had that roundtable and doubling back on the, the Mac Pro and, and the Mac Mini and some of the things like that. So I don't see the Mac going away anytime soon. And I love my Mac. And, um, you know, I think it has its place. I think we're going to see the Mac get more and more capabilities that bring it closer to iOS, iPad OS. And we're going to see iPad OS continue to move in the direction of the capabilities of the Mac. So at some point, it may just be a form factor choice, really, than a capability choice. And that would be a great thing. You know, hopefully they can find the right balance. I'm a big fan of the, the keyboard case on the, on the iPad now um, that has a, a pointer and uh, a really good keyboard. It definitely makes that device so much more capable so I definitely want to see things kind of move in that direction. Yeah, I haven't tried the new keyboard yet. I know some folks that have it that swear by it, but I just can't bring myself to be spending that on that right now. I did, I did finally buy a new MacBook Pro to replace my old work laptop. Not that I'm going anywhere on the go, for work, but I would like to be able to separate out my work from my home desktop that I use for podcasting and everything else. And I just haven't been able to do that because my machine for that is an old MacBook Air that, that just get, it just like crushes the fan when I'm on a Zoom call or something. So yeah, that poor CPU is doing somersaults. Well, that's very exciting. I, yeah. I, I think you'll like it. it it's nice. Uh, you, you, it sounds like you maybe skipped the entire butterfly keyboard debacle era, um, <laughs> which is good. I didn't actually. I had a MacBook. I bought the 10-inch MacBook when it first came out because okay. I liked the idea of an ultralight computer that I could take to conferences and stuff like that. And I ultimately found out that I didn't really use it all that much. I ended up using my tablet more and my laptop when I needed it. And this device in the middle just didn't serve a good purpose. And apparently they came to that conclusion too. Although, you know, this is off topic for HomeKit, but there are rumors that we may get a MacBook again, this time ARM-based, which makes sense, I guess, for something that doesn't need to be crazy powerful. But I'm certainly not going to be I don't know, rendering video on an ARM chip in any near future. Yeah, we'll see. Um, so I think, you know, something that we can do here too, and uh, maybe quickly talk about some of the other things left in the list. Um, maybe starting with some of the alternatives that we had on our list. I can go first and talk about some of mine. So the one that I was really hemming and hawing on for my last pick was possibly throwing in enhancements to Siri. I feel like they've been making investments, buying companies, hiring people. I think they even hired somebody pretty, pretty high up at Google to help with Siri. So I think that helps and we definitely want to see improvements there. And that plays into the HomeKit story as well. If, she can hear us better, better, you know, command and control, all that kind of stuff would be welcome. Yeah, I agree. I think any enhancements they can make, I still have problems where if it's playing something and I talk to it to trigger it, it doesn't hear me. Like the, the fact that the audio sensing is so good on the HomePod. And they haven't come up with a way of bringing that to the hardware. And I realize it probably is a combination of hardware and software that they haven't yet brought that to the hardware for the phone just makes me a little bit insane. So if we get that, I suspect it would come with maybe new hardware that we would see in the fall when we see the new phones. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, my next one on my list was uh, Apple TV State as a HomeKit trigger. I think this plays into what you had a little bit uh, about Apple TV stuff, but I think it'd be really interesting, you know, when you're in a certain app, 
you know, if I, if I launch the movie app or if I start playing a movie, then start a scene. So I think there's some exciting things they could do here. And I would love to see these pieces, you know, you have a, you have a walled garden ecosystem, lean into it and, you know, enable these kinds of things. Right. You had something on the list here, uh, updates to geofencing. I look at that and I- I'm excited about things that they could do there. We talked about how you can do stuff like, okay, well, first in, first out, everybody out, everybody in, you know what I mean? I said that wrong, but you, you know what I mean? And if we could do something that was more based on who is home right. or who just entered the house and who just left, I think that would be really cool. Yeah. And I think some interesting places for that would be either the camera stuff we talked about earlier. The other one that would be really interesting, is, and I would push this more to the fall, um, would be updates to make the Apple Watch more independent and open it up for other users. So, you know, if there was a way to buy a cellular Apple Watch for my kids and, you know, use that as a standalone device without a phone, I would be really interested in that. There's, you know, some big honking devices that some kids have. I think they're like Verizon only, but it allows them to like text their parents and stuff like that. Mm. So, I think that would be an interesting part of the story if more people in the home could be, you know, a part of that geofencing, uh, you know, picture that would certainly uh, help with some of that trigger and how that's handled. Yeah. Anything else that was on your list that you want to talk about or, or that you think was interesting? Yeah. One of the things that caught my attention, I think someone had suggested on Twitter last night that, you know, how about actual shipping dates for HomeKit uh, on Ring devices. And I've just kind of come to the conclusion that that isn't going to happen, that there's that the, the business alignment that needs to be in place between Jamie and Mike at Ring and the powers that be at Apple, it's not there. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I, I kind of put it on the list joking that <laughs> it would be an announcement that everybody would be really <laughs> excited about. But yes. I don't think it's happening. I also think some of the ring stuff around their cooperation with the police and where the conversation around the police is right now, even if it was moving towards something, I think Apple would want to shy away from attaching themselves to ring right now. I've kind of given up on that one ever happening. The only other thing isn't actually on the list, but it's something that I I think some cars and I don't know if it's cars or actually some apps are trying to pull this off with CarPlay. But I'd like to see better opportunities to integrate HomeKit stuff into CarPlay. Yeah. That would be cool. You're pulling out of the garage. It knows it's you because it's your phone. And so when you're pulling out, maybe it prompts you to close your door, the one that that you would normally close. And, you know, maybe it prompts you based on what door opened most recently. If you have a two-car garage with separate doors or something like that, like that that kind of capability or you're coming home and you, you know, it might prompt you if you want to open the door or if you want to turn something on or, you know, things like that where, where you have an opportunity to interact with some sort of notification or event. I'm not talking about a control app in CarPlay because I think that's just a distraction that nobody needs. Yeah. I think, kind of like what you said about Apple TV, having this be like a CarPlay system event that kicks something off or or prompts you in certain scenarios, certainly that leaving and and coming home, you know, in your car event makes makes a lot of sense to be able to surface that and, and give that as an option. 
Another thing you could do is, you know, if nobody's home and my camera doorbell rings, then let me interact with that person and see them through CarPlay. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Um, the other one I had on my list was updates to the home app in iOS 14. I think that one's a little bit complicated. You know, some years they make very little changes. I remember one year in the labs, I, I went up to one of the guys that worked on the home app and I go, what's different? And he's like, well, it does this thing. And it's like, okay, nothing's different. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Unlike last year where they changed a lot. And, yeah. you know, frankly, I think what they originally envisioned for the home changes in iOS 13, they got a lot of pushback on. So I'm wondering how likely they are to make any major changes just because of how bumpy that was and how resistant developers were to those changes. Now, arguably, they were ill-informed changes, but, yes. <laughs> but you know, we've, we've finally gotten back to something close to where we are, although it, the home app, you know, I love the home app. I think it's probably the best control app out there. It is also the only app I use that has made it okay to violate Apple's own human interface guidelines of not having modals on modals. And they go so deep in the home app and they haven't come up with a way of doing that in a way that doesn't require this modal, modal, modal experience. And I just, I think it's really awkward. I think they, they need to come up with a better way of doing that. I don't think it's going to be this year. Yeah. I mean, something someone mentioned in our, our chat on Twitter also was kind of like a fancier interface for building automations, like a drag and drop interface for, for building automations. I think that would be interesting and, and cool. I think the problem the home app has to weigh is it has to be broad enough to cover everybody, yep. but simple enough that, you know, your mom or grandma can, can use it. So that's always the line they're trying to strat it, straddle. And I think some of us power users want more of that power stuff. Right. And that just doesn't make sense for, for normal people. Yeah, I would agree. I, I don't think we're going to get any more, complex style automation capabilities beyond like we spoke earlier, maybe integrating some of the stuff from shortcuts, even the shortcuts model. I'm, I, I, I used to be a programmer and I still do web stuff and I'm, you know, I was a math miner. I I'm, I'm good at the logic things, the shortcut model for creating flows and, modifying conditions and all of those options that you have in there really baffled me when I first started using it. It took a long time for me to understand how that thing worked. It's incredibly powerful and incredibly complex. And I would actually make the argument that that would be the place to put the complexity around HomeKit. So if you're going to enable powerful things, put it in shortcuts. Don't put it in the home app. Yep. I would agree. Cool. Anything else on here that you, uh, you wanted to call out or, uh, or mention? No, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, certainly we, you know, there's, there's always the possibility that some rando thing that we weren't expecting could happen. And, you know, it'd, it'd be interesting. I think somebody mentioned, you know, it'd be nice to be able to select your primary hub. It'd be nice to be able to use a Mac as a hub. I mean, all of these are kind of power user things. And I just don't think that that's the kind of announcement that we're going to be seeing them focusing on at an event like this. I tend to agree as much as some of these shiny things I'd like to see. So, yep. Great. Well, thanks. That was fun. And uh, may the best man win. And uh, we'll see We'll see what happens. Uh, I'll certainly be watching on Monday and uh, see where we go. Do you watch these live or do you usually end up watching the video afterward? I, the last 
trying to think, the last four years have watched them very live and in person. Oh, right. Of course. Of course. So, but yeah, a, Apple events in general, I will try to uh, watch them live. And so this one, given the remote sense of it, I think we're going to try to do a, a, a Zoom meeting and share this the keynote with some folks at work and um, be able to kind of chat around it and, and, and get some of that. So I think that'll be fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I blocked out some of my day on Monday to yep. at least be able to watch the keynote and yep. probably the State of the Union. And then once all the other stuff for the week drops, I will sit in on a few videos or watch a few things where, where it interests me. Sounds good. Yeah, I always watch live. I, I always carve time out of the day to watch it. And if I did end up missing something or I get interrupted, it's nice that you can have the video available to you later that evening to watch it. So. Yeah, and I think one of the fun things I'm looking forward to is, you know, it's always fun to be on Twitter commenting. Um, it'll be fun to enjoy yep. it with some of my colleagues and stuff like that. So um, while, you know, I'm sad that we can't be there in person in San Jose this year, uh, we're going to make the best of it. Agreed. Yeah, and I think, you know, if there are substantial things to talk about, I think we'll be back here on this show um, in the next week or two to talk about those things. So. Um, we'll follow up on our, our score from the draft and uh, talk about all the things that are announced and things that people have dug in on the betas and all that kind of stuff and uh, hopefully have some interesting things to talk about. So that will be good. Sounds good. All right. So in closing, uh, where can people find us? Richard, where can they find you? This place is at the Digital Media Zone. If you're interested in my other shows, and if you want to hear what's in my head at any point in time, and it could be about anything, I'll warn you, I am out on Twitter at Richard Gunther. All right. And you can find me on Twitter at Adam Justice and everything my company's doing at ConnectSense.com. And of course, the Smart Home Show is part of Technology.fm, a collection of tech-focused podcasts, including Home Tech FM, uh, The Food Tech Show, and Richard's other show, Home On. And you can find everything about this show at smarthome.fm. Um, we'll definitely have some detailed show notes there um, with all of our picks where you can find out about this episode and past episodes. And if you have feedback for us, we'd love to hear from you. Um, you can email us, feedback at smarthome.fm. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. And uh, if you're enjoying the show, do us a favor. Leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or any of those other platforms and uh, tell a friend about the show. Thanks for tuning in and uh, hope you enjoyed this year's draft and uh, we'll see you soon. Goodbye.